Christ, my highest ever. 
And as we reflect on peace, what does peace mean to you? It means a few things to me. When I think about peace, I think about peace from internal conflict, right? I think about peace within our world. I think about peace within my own family. I'm walking into a Christmas, (laughs) and there is literal infighting between my sisters and I'm stuck right in the middle of it now as much as I like trying to bring peace to people sometimes peace can only be brought when someone's willing to have peace and this morning if you have an issue with not feeling like there's peace in your life I'm going to ask very simply are you willing to experience peace as it's meant to be experienced This morning, peace has come in Christ, this child. We're going to worship and sing about that. Behold the star of Bethlehem, the word of God has become flesh, and unto us a child is born.
not with us. Oh, come let us adore him. You know that. Can we sing that again? Oh, come let us Let's raise our voices to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Truly what the season is about. This is a time that we are able to to come to Him, but it's to come to Him in search of restoration, in search of hope, of joy, of love, and of mercy. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we do come to You and we thank You, dear Lord, for this day and for this service. You know, God, as we have sung the song, dear Lord, that, uh, that lifted up your name, how you are, Counselor, Mighty God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. God, today we, we realize who you are, and we thank you for being in our midst. Thank you for coming and meeting with us. God, as in the coming days we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, today we worship you. Today we worship him as King of kings. We worship him as our Lord and our Savior. We worship him as the provider of all things. Today, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I can have the ushers to uh, to make their way forward. Lord, if you could lead us in prayer.
the sign bow to babe on bended knee the savior of humanity unto us a child is born he shall reign Well, this is a uh, this is an exciting morning. Uh, you know, are y'all ready? Uh, you know, um, 
How many of y'all know that I really like Christmas? Y'all know that? I, uh, I want to tell you a little story, of, you know, it, and maybe that will kind of let you know, uh, you know, why I like Christmas so much. And hopefully I haven't told this to you. Uh, you know, if I have, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, I think y'all need to know why I like Christmas so much. Uh, and part of it has to do with a family uh, in my family tradition as far as, uh, you know, always making sure that, uh, you know, that there was, uh, you know, gifts and stuff underneath the Christmas tree. And, uh, you know, always, uh, you know, I had presents, uh, you know, from Santa Claus. Uh, you know, how many of y'all had presents from Santa Claus? Okay, good, good. Uh, you know, but of course, I knew who Santa Claus really was. Uh, you know, so mom and dad, they really didn't spoil that for me, uh, you know, but I really enjoyed, uh, you know, Christmas. And uh, the reason why I knew who Santa Claus was is just simply because, uh, you know, we would always leave our house on Christmas Eve and we would go to my papa's house for Christmas Day and Santa Claus didn't know his address because that was not the address that I put on my Christmas list. And I got the toys that was still on my Christmas list. So that's kind of how I knew. So here we are. So, uh, you know, we had Christmas, and I had an aunt that lived down the street from us. So Christmas Eve, she would come down, and she would give us, uh, you know, the Christmas present from her. So it started Christmas Eve, and we would open up that Christmas present, and we would have a great old time with her and all this. And then we would pack everything up, and we would go two hours to my papa's house, and we would wake up somewhere around 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning and have Christmas. No, that didn't happen. I loved Christmas. Before the sun would come up, yes. Before the sun would come up, I would be awake and I would run in there to the Christmas tree and I would see all of those presents, and then I would go running down the hallway screaming, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, everybody's got to get up, it's Christmas. So they didn't get up one year. My brother and I were the only ones up, and my grandma. Well, my dad got us shotguns that year. So my grandma sat us in the kitchen sink, one on one side, one on the other side. And we stuck our barrels out the window and commenced to shooting on those birds. That was in her little bush, like about 10 yards out there. I want you to know everybody got up then. But Christmas is just this exciting time. It's just, uh, you know, anticipation has been building, right? Uh, you know, we have, we have been talking about Christmas for four weeks, right? I can count. One, two, three, four. Four weeks we've been thinking about it. We've been talking about it. It's almost here. Oh, the hair on the back of my neck stands up just in anticipation. But we come to this day and we come to this message this morning. And this message this morning comes from, oh, yeah, see, it's going to really mess up today. Andrew, it just went to the announcements. So 
So I guess you got it, buddy. So we're in Luke, and tonight, you know, today we're looking at Luke chapter 2, and this is going to be verses 8 through 20. Now, if any of you have been in church for very long, you know that this is the particular story as far as the shepherds and the angels coming down to the shepherds. Uh, you know, so... I've gotten ahead of myself. See, uh, you know, technology, we love it until it gets ahead of us or until it gets behind us. Uh, you know, so I'm going to take this and put it over here. And we're going to do it the old-fashioned way. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I've heard stories of people you know, throughout history and throughout time where, you know, they would take that passage of Scripture and they would really hold to it. Well, the Lord is my shepherd. There's a story about, a, uh, about two um, missionaries that went off into Africa and they had a little boy that was their guide as they went out and ministered to the communities and stuff that was around there. And during this two-month process, they taught this little boy that passage of Scripture, the Lord is my shepherd. So they got through with their missionary journey, and they went back home. And two or three years later, they said, you know, we really need to go back and see what's going on. And they go back, and they're there, and they're kind of searching for this same young boy that was uh, you know, that was their guy. They wanted to reconnect. And as they continued to search in that village to try to reconnect, they began to put pieces of the puzzle together, and they found where this boy's mother was. And they go, and they, they visit with her, and they tell her who they are, and they say that they had came by, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and they were just wanted to reconnect. And she told them the story about his death. As a young boy, he was out and he was uh, you know, doing some scouting and stuff. And she said that he fell off one of the cliffs. And three days later, somebody finally found him. And he was there dead. And he was clenching this finger. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. Jesus being the shepherd is throughout Scripture. Some people believe that we look at Jesus as our shepherd because, you know, it wouldn't be good for him to be a sheep because sheep bite. Sheep really aren't all that wise either. So Jesus is the shepherd. And we find that Luke goes in, in Luke's gospel the announcement of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's birth is first brought to the shepherds. Now, why the shepherds? Why would you think that out of all of the people in the world, would God choose to go to the shepherds to tell them first about the Messiah being born? 
So let's look about shepherds. Let's look at shepherds for just a little bit. You were a shepherd because, you know, because of one of three reasons. One reason is because you were born into a family that was shepherds. And you took up the family business. Two, you just didn't like anybody. So you decided that you were going to be a loner. And you were going to be out there with the sheep instead of with people. Or three, that was really the only task that you could accomplish in your life. Because after all, it doesn't take very much to be a shepherd, does it? All you do is walk around and you lead the sheep to green grass. Everybody knows where, how to find green grass, right? You find water. Whenever you find water, you lead your sheep to the water and your sheep goes and they eat the grass. But you stay with the sheep and you protect them all the time. You're, you know, 99% of your life is spent out in the fields with the sheep. You take a bath where the sheep drink their water. You're not really all that liked because whenever you come through town, your sheep make a mess. You're not really all that liked because whenever you're wandering around trying to find green grass, most of the time you're on somebody else's property. And how many times do we like people bringing their animals onto our property? We don't like that, do we? Shepherds, not very liked people, kind of outcast. You know, some people would even kind of put them into that category since they're always going on other people's land and they're always stealing other people's, uh, you know, grass and food for their animals. Uh, you know, that here they are, that they would actually, uh, you know, be even looked upon as sinners. But I want to give you another picture. Because in today, we're going to look at some other things. Uh, you know, I want us to look at God's plan because we know that God had a plan throughout history as far as saving mankind. So let's look into God's plan to check and see why the shepherds were the, were the first people to get the good news that Jesus Christ, our Messiah, was born. To do that, we look into Genesis chapter 35, and we look at verses 19 through 21, but in verse 21 is going to be the key for us. Because whenever we have this, Jacob is traveling, and he's coming with his wife, Rebecca, and we find that Rebecca actually dies in Bethlehem, and she is buried there, and then in verse 21, it tells us, So Rebekah died and was buried on the way to, to Ephraim, that is Bethlehem. Jacob sets up a stone monument for Rebekah, or for her grave, and it can be seen there today. Then Jacob traveled on and camped beyond the, Meg, the Megdal Eder. He camped beyond the Egdal Meder. Now keep that well, keep that name right there. Megdal Eder. And then we go to Micah 
verse, or chapter 4, verse 8. And then it says, O thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion, the king shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. There's a key here. O tower of the flock is the same words that Megdal Eder means. Megdal Eder would be the Hebrew for tower of the flock. So we find here that, that Jacob went encamped beyond the Megdal Eder outside of Bethlehem. The Megdal Eder is the tower of the flock. And we go on from there and you look at verse 5 of Micah, verse 2, and it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ethrah, are only a small village among all the people of Judea, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come on your behalf. So let me place these things together for you. Okay, so one of the main figures in the Old Testament, Jacob camps outside of Bethlehem after his wife has passed away and he camps beyond the, Meg, the Megdal Eder and the Megdal Eder is called the Tower of the Flock and the tower of the flock is in the town or just on the outskirts of the town of where the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is supposed to be born. So have you made the connections yet? Jesus Christ was born in the Megdal Eder. The Megdal Eder would be a place, it would be a tower that would be looking out over the fields of all the sheep that was being uh, you know, that was there, and the sheep had a specific purpose because we know that we are only about three miles away from Jerusalem. This is in direct path. So the Megdal Eder, the tower of the flock, is in direct path of Jerusalem. So everyone that goes into Jerusalem from this direction of Judah has to pass by the tower of the flock to be able to purchase their animals for sacrifice in Jerusalem. So that tells us that there's going to be priests that's going to be involved in this because they're the ones that oversee all of the animals that are perfect, that are able to be used for sacrifices. So you've got that connection. So then we also find that they would also be the ones that would be out there tending to the flocks of this herd they would be tending to the sheep to make sure that they were all taken care of in the right manner so that whenever the, whenever the sheep was born, that it would be right for sacrifice. So we have the connection, right? God's plan began all the way back at the beginning of time. But he begins talking about the Messiah and setting up the plan in the path for where the Messiah is supposed to be born way back in Genesis chapter 35. 
So that is why whenever we look into this passage of Scripture of Luke, and the angels only have to tell the shepherds what to be able to find the Messiah. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Watch this video. It was a night like any other night, except for that angel. Ain't seen nothing like it before or since. Us shepherds, we don't get a lot of excitement out there in the pasture. But that angel, it was so bright, so beautiful. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Sam, you've been out in that pasture just a little bit too long. And you'd be correct. But that all changed when that angel came right up to us. And the angel said, don't be afraid. And I was like, too late. And then the angel said, no, I wrote it down. I need to get this right. Hold on. Um, okay. The angel said, um, milk, bread. No, that's my grocery list. Then the angel said, I have good news of a great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then the angel said, he's lying in a manger, wrapped in cloth, go find him. Okie dokie. So we're all sitting around, and then one of the shepherds, I think it was Steve, he's like, hey, what are we doing? Let's get out of here, let's go to Bethlehem. So we hightailed it out of there, and we found that beautiful baby. I'll tell you, I was a different man after that. God chose me. And nobody's ever chosen me for anything. I'll never forget what that angel said, though. The angel said, I bring good news to all people. That means you too. So whenever we think about the shepherds, these shepherds that were the first to be told, they're not normal shepherds because these would have been shepherds from the Levite clan, the priestly clan, but they were shepherds because they were outcast because they had a physical ailment. Uh, you know, they, you know um, they, were, they either had a scar that was visible or they had a limp. Uh, you know, they would have been the uh, priests that, that weren't able to memorize the whole Torah. See, they were people that were called to be something special. They were people that were called to be the ones to deliver the message of the Messiah. But because there was a defect in the world's eyes, they were an outcast. 
So God chooses or chose the outcast, the ones set on the margin to be the first one to find out and to hear that message, the message that we have this morning. There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel assured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a babe wrapped snugly in strips of cloths lying in a manger. And then it says, Suddenly the angels were joined by a vast host of others, the army of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, to those whom God is pleased. They brought forth the message to the outcast. They brought forth a message to the ones that society had pushed aside. They brought a message to a group of people and told them simply, that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes or wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. They didn't follow a star like the wise men. I want you to know they didn't have to go from barn to barn to try to find this baby Jesus. Because they knew Because their lives had been preparing them for this moment. The outcast. This morning, as as I say that, I'm like, has been preparing them for this moment. Your life. Every day of your life has been preparing you for this moment, has been preparing you to hear the message of great news, of joy, that a Savior is born today. We by all, moon, by all means are all outcast. We have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And without the realization of who was born this night, this Christmas night, and who that news was, will die and burn for eternity in hell. But our whole life has been set for this moment. See, they knew where to find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes 
because every time a, a sheep was born for sacrifice, that is exactly what they did. They wrapped it in swaddling clothes to protect it from the outside world, to protect it from the scars, to protect it from being an outcast like they were. They knew it. (laughs) I think this guy did a great job. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Oh, too late now. The words that they use literally means to be terrified. They were so afraid that they were hurting inside. See, this day that we have been set aside for and this time that we have to be able to come and be able to be in the midst of God Almighty. Do we come into the midst of God Almighty trembling with fear? Are in awe. Yes. We come trembling in fear because we know who we are. And because we know who he is. We know that we are unworthy of anything that he has to offer to us. But we come in awe because of this night, because of his love and his mercy that we know that he has poured out upon this earth for us. He says that this message is for all people. That means us. That means each and every one and each and every person on this earth regardless of what they have done. He came for them. We are the lowest of lows. Scripture tells us, it says, Woe is the one that knows right from wrong, but does not do what's right. We know. We've heard the stories about the Messiah. Most of us have experienced him in some way and fashion in our lives. Some of us have experienced salvation. Some of us have experienced sanctification. Some have even experienced God touch upon our lives in healing. Some of us have received his blessings upon our lives that we know that it had to be him. There's that Christmas gift that I remember getting, just a little bitty old box. And it was slid up underneath the Christmas tree and all the Christmas presents had been wrapped or had been unwrapped all except for this one. And my dad over here, you know, well, all... All six feet, four inches, uh, you know, 270, 280 pounds of a man crawls up underneath that Christmas tree, reaches all the way to the back, and he gets this little box, and he hands it to me. It's got no name on there. It doesn't say from dad to John. 
It doesn't even have John written on it. I opened up that box. I took that wrapping paper off and I opened up that box. And in that box sat a pocket knife. I looked at my dad and I seen the tears running down his face. And I knew it was from him. First Christmas present that he ever purchased for me. He was the one that gave mom the money and said, go get him. But he bought this one. It was special. God sent us that gift that day. And if God cries on that morning whenever his son was born, he knew the end. God was standing up there crying because he knew what was going to happen. But he gave it to us because he loved us. He gave it to us because he knew that that was the only way that we would be able to have a right relationship with him. The shepherd guys, so afraid that they hurt, their lives would never be the same again. God came and spoke to them, gave them that special news, that message that's for all people. And whenever he gave them that message, what did they do? They went and they found Jesus exactly the way that he told them. I don't know if any of y'all have experienced this or not. You remember playgrounds and stuff in high school or in, in, in middle school and elementary school? And you chose up teams for kickball or football or, or, or whatever. He said, nobody had ever chosen me. Nobody's ever chosen me. I'm not the prettiest. I'm not the fastest. I'm not the tallest. I might even be a little bit awkward because I haven't grown into my legs or whatever it would be. I've never been chosen But this day, God chooses you. This day, he says, this gift is for you. It's for you. It's for me. It's for everyone on this earth. But the thing about it is, is that we have to choose God. The gift is there. The message is given. The Savior is born. The Savior has walked this earth for 33 years, died on the cross, 
rose again and is now at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us. He chose to save the whole world. But now it's up to us to choose him. So this Christmas, as we think about this and as we look through all of these things and we have these times that we go through all of the hustle and bustle of this world and you have this you know, soccer mom that cuts you off in traffic. God chose her. And whenever you're at your last line and you're just the last thread and you're trying to finish all of your shopping up before Christmas Eve and before the close, you know, everything closes down. And you pull into the fast food restaurant and you order your hamburger and you tell them no pickles and the poor drive through guy can't understand that phrase. And you get that hamburger and it has pickles on it. God chose him to, or her. We have to love him. The thing about this day that so often we forget is that this day changed our lives forever. Because we chose Jesus Christ. I'm going to have Robbie to come up and and to play. Because I'm not going to assume that everyone that is here has actually chosen God as their Lord and Savior. Yes, we're all excited. We're anticipating those great gifts on Christmas Day. But we can't forget the best gift that was given to us. And the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's stand. I'll give you the opportunity to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. I'll give you the option today, the choice today, to be able to choose to follow Him as Jesus Christ, your Messiah. The good news. The good news that was given to all. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning, the message is not for your next door neighbor, it's for you. It's not for your cousin that you're going to go visit tomorrow, it's for you. Can you answer that question and say, Yes, I have received him as my Lord and Savior? If not, this morning is a great opportunity. I'll be down front for you. If you have received God as your Savior and you have opened up that present and you have chosen that present, but the world has gotten in the way and that present is no longer active in your life, today is the day that you can recommit your life 
And that present can become active and actually do what it's supposed to do. And that is to change your life. Just a little bit longer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today and for the words that you have given to us. God, thank you for the message that the angels gave to us. God, thank you for sending your Son to this earth to be born as a babe, to be our Savior, to change the world. God, I pray that you would change every life that is here. In Jesus' name, amen.